when uh, Kerry announced that uh, he was uh, retiring from Waterford, um, we, the elders sat down with him and uh, said, well, you know a lot of people in the ministry and uh, across the United States, and so we'd like you to help us find your replacement. And so he put out some feelers, and the elders put out some feel feelers, and we talked to some other uh, godly men and women who uh, uh, we respect and uh, began the search uh, for a new pulpit minister. Uh, one name came up a number of times, and we decided that it made sense for us to uh, pursue that name as the first candidate uh, to replace Kerry here at Waterford. Uh, that name was uh, Tad Masteller. And so um, we, we did approach Tad and talk to him, and um, um, the elders had an opportunity to talk to him on the phone a couple of times, and then also we had the opportunity to uh, interview him and his wife Libby, um, we had lunch at the Cracker Barrel, which was great, um, and we spent the afternoon together, and um, it was just uh, kind of a magical opportunity, a magical time, and we felt very comfortable um, with Tad and with Libby, and um, I think they did with us, and so um, um, we, we left and said, well, let's pray about this, you pray about it, and we'll pray about it. And uh, let's see where it takes us. And we did that for about a week. And uh, we, as the eldership, were very um, united in the fact that we wanted to offer him an opportunity to come here and to meet you and for you to meet him and his family and then try to make it a good decision about whether it's a good fit for him and for us. And so we have invited him to be here today. And uh, I hope you get to know him as well as we have. And the, we're going to have an opportunity to be with them all day. They're going to be here today for luncheon, and they're going to be here tonight. Um, so if you want to shake as their hands and to ask them any specific questions, you'll have that opportunity. We will also have a short uh, question and answer period after our luncheon today um, and uh, just to give you an opportunity to hear some of the things that we feel are very important um, that you should know about him and his family. Uh, Ted went to uh, the uh, uh, SIBI, the Sunset International Bible Institute, and graduated in 1997. His first work was in uh, Lamar's, Iowa, a small congregation where he and Libby served there with their family for 12 years. Um, while they were there, the congregation grew drastically. Um, and um, <clears throat> their second work was here in Michigan. I must say that, uh, tell you right away that Tad is a Michigander, born and raised here. Amen. <clears throat> That's pretty important. As you all know, a lot of these men are, uh, are trained in the South, and they, and they come from the South, and they don't want to come up here to, uh, uh, to the cold winter. So, but, uh, don't make a, me leave Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> don't make him leave Michigan. Libby was, Libby was born in Ohio, but uh, until she was four years old, and I think she was raised here in Michigan as well. So she is, we're going to claim her as a Michigander That's as right. well. That's right. Um, they left there. They went to the uh, Sunset uh, uh, Church of Christ in Taylor, Michigan, and uh, they served for uh, eight or nine years there and um, did a great work there, and the congregation there grew as well. Um, Tad and uh, Libby have two children. Um, their son is the pulpit is one of the ministers at the Sunset uh, Church of Christ in Taylor, and Lauren, uh, who is with them today, is a student at Harding University. 
Um, we're delighted to have him here. Great people, a wonderful minister. And uh, without taking any more of his time, I'd like to uh, proudly uh, introduce Mr. Tad Masteller. Thank you. Let's just have the invitation. I think that was good. And we're all set. Come on forward. Well, good morning. Uh, I must say that I am tremendously overwhelmed, um, nervous beyond words, uh, thankful that God has led us to be here uh, at this time. I'm going to turn this off. You turn that off? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, I know these are difficult times, right? I mean, transition always is tough. I know Carrie. I've sat at his feet. Uh, many times watching uh, sermons, listening to them. He is a phenomenal man, tremendous preacher. And I'm sure, you know, having done this for a long time, this is a difficult transition. Uh, Dave was here for, what, 260 years? I mean, Dave was, <laughs> Dave was here a long time. And in and, uh, and speaking to Carrie, he said there isn't any way that he would have left here. He loves here, but the Lord has drawn him with family and ministry opportunities south, and so that's where he's been called to go. Uh, he has spoken so highly of everyone here. He says this is the best body of Christians that there is, and I trust him and believe him, and I look forward to getting to know you. If this is our only time, or if this is our first time, I was challenged with trying to figure out what exactly is it that I say in either one of those things. If this is the only chance that I have to speak, what is it that I would like to at least say? And then if this is the first time, how do we set the foundation then for the future together? And so I don't know about you, but there are certain times, I'm sure, that Carrie or whomever else, they preach a sermon, and it's like, okay, yeah, that was good, but then by the next week, you don't necessarily remember what was said. And then there are some lessons, some sermons, some classes, some reading in Scripture that hits you so deeply, you go, whoa, and it, and, and it stays with you, right? And, and, and so the next week, you're thinking of it, and you're allowing God to work within you, and it just hangs in there, Well. There's something that I've studied out the last couple of weeks that has just hung in there with me. And I thought, you know what, Lord, that's it. This is what I'm going to say. And it has to do with success. How would you gauge success? In your own personal life, when it comes to your children, when it comes to your grandchildren, when it comes to your spouse, when it comes to your co-workers, when it comes to the Waterford Church of Christ, what exactly is it that you would say is, man, now that's a success? And I know that there are different levels of it, but I'm talking about the ultimate success. How would you gauge it here so that 15 years from now we can say, yes, the Waterford congregation has then built on and continued to aim toward the ultimate goal of success. What exactly is that? And isn't the ultimate goal of success something that you should then pattern and point the rest of your life toward because that is what you're aiming toward? Shouldn't it be? Now, I'd like to suggest that sometimes we get hung up, and now in the congregation I preach at currently, the numbers are over here, so please forgive me. This is just a habit. But sometimes we get caught up in the numbers. 
how big the contribution has been, how many, how many folks are showing up on Sunday, and, and we gauge the success of the congregation simply by those things. And I understand that those are gauges, but is that really ultimately what shows success? I'd like to suggest to you that we should let Jesus Christ himself set the standard of success for us. And I'd like to suggest that in the Scriptures, the ultimate success plan of Jesus Christ is when a soul comes to Him and lives with Him forever. That the ultimate goal of success that we should all have is His plan of success. And I'm not just talking about somebody who goes to church. I'm not talking about somebody who's very dedicated at the work of the job. I'm talking about somebody who is actually, as I appreciate Leonard you saying, locked in spiritually with Jesus Christ. Somebody who's there and engaged in everything that they want to do and everything that they want to be is to be with Jesus and to fully submit to Him and allow Him to lead their life. Now that is success. Now how exactly does that really take place though for us? Walk this path with me for a moment if you will. Just imagine what it must have been like for God in the eternity of eternities before the creation what was it like to be God then be before the earth before the let there be light what exactly was eternity like for God before he said let there be light I, I can't fathom that can you and then all of a sudden, because God knows everything, right? And, and as Leonard said, I appreciate you saying this is a scripture that I wanted to refer to. John chapter 1. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. And so Jesus being a part of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what was it like for them to know everything that was going to take place before it ever really took place? And then that moment that they finally decided, let there be light. Imagine the power behind that. Imagine being able to say, hey, fish, poof, fish. And by the way, I love fish. I'm glad he did that. And then he gets to that place where he says, let us make man in our image. Why? Because he wanted to spend eternity with us. And think about the power of this. Jesus breathed life into man. Knowing that he was going to die for man. Imagine that moment where he knew when he said life for man means death for me. Isn't that powerful to think of? And yet he does it anyway. And then he knows. He knows because he's God. He knows. He's walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he loves it. This is the fellowship he wants with mankind, his creation in his own image. I want them to be with me forever. And I know they're going to sin against me. And then they do. And the plan in Genesis 3.15, for which we have the rest of what we have in Scripture, takes place. God's plan to save mankind. And Jesus knows that part of that plan is He's going to be peeled away from the Father and the Holy Spirit and placed in the womb of a woman to die for man. It's, it boggles my mind to think that. 
And then I think after the, the sin and after the closing off of the garden, and I think of Jesus with the Father and the Spirit and, their, and the waters that come and Noah and the Abraham and the Isaac and Jesus is a part of all of these things because He's God and His providence is going. And just imagine what it was like for all that time to go past and then the moment comes where Jesus says with the Father and the Spirit, it's time for me to leave you and be placed in the womb. Imagine. The power Jesus has over all things. He knows all things. He is everywhere. He's God. And then to leave all of that behind to go into the womb and have none of that power at all. He made the choice to give it all up for the cause of mankind. It says in Philippians chapter 2, I want to read that very quickly. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Jesus makes the choice in this plan of success. He knows that he wants souls to come back to live with him forever. So the first thing he has to do is to choose to be empty. He has to choose to say, I'm going to give all of my power up, Father, and I'm going to trust you fully with my life. Because if I don't trust you fully with my life, then I too will end up completely separated from you forever. Jesus laid it all on the line in his plan of success for you and me. And the beginning of it was that he had to submit to be completely empty. Now, the second thing I want you to think of is this. All of the millions of married couples that existed from the time of the garden, and none of them was fit until Joseph and Mary to be trusted with the body of Jesus. I want you to think about this. God's plan of success, Jesus has to make the choice he has to empty himself. He has to become like a human being, vulnerable. And then God has to find the perfect couple to trust the body of his son, Mary and Joseph. Well, they raise Jesus up in a way of righteousness. Jesus knows who he is. He comes on out. He teaches and preaches about the success plan that God has to buy mankind back so that they can live with him forever. Jesus then goes to the cross. He dies on the cross. And then he's raised again. Success, amen? amen. But the success plan isn't finished. <laughs> you see, Jesus does a handoff. He used to play quarterback, all right? And so Jesus does the handoff. He's raised from the dead. He walks on the earth for 40 days, teaching and preaching, shows himself to so many folks. And then he says, hey, listen, I got to go, but when I go, I'm going to send my spirit, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is sent back, and the Holy Spirit now is a handoff to mankind saying, now, your turn in the success plan. Jesus does his, but the plan's not over. 
He's relying on us, we as human beings, to make the choice to be empty for Him and to be filled for Him. Think about what we have in Scripture. And there's so many different places we could go to, like Luke chapter 9, that you need to deny yourself, right? Daily picking up your cross. Isn't that what he says? He's saying you need to empty yourself. You can't be about you. If you want to be a part of my plan of success, life can't be about you. It has to be about me. And trusting the Father to lead us through life. For what cause, Lord? Seek and save lost souls. Love your neighbor as yourself. Train up your children in the way they should go. Which way, Lord? To go back to me. Because that's success. Church, the first challenge that I want us to really be a part of here this morning in this this unique opportunity is for you to really just stop for a moment and evaluate just how much of yourself have you given up so that he can fill you up. Just, 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 just think about how much success the Waterford congregation will have and continue to have if we're willing to be emptied and filled by him. If we're willing to say, hey, Lord, none of me, all of you. You know, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We need to be crucified too, church. There needs to be a choice, a choice that, God, I want to be all into you. I'm empty without you. I give my life to you. I want to be crucified. I want to be buried. Doesn't it say that in Romans chapter 6? Don't you know that those of you who have been buried with Christ through baptism have been raised up in newness of life? We have to go through this process to be successful where we give ourselves up, we're emptied, we want to be filled, we are dead, we are buried, and we are raised up, and now we're filled with the Holy Spirit for the purpose of the success plan that Jesus Christ has. And that's to lead lost souls to Him. Not just, hey, would you like to come to the Waterford Church of Christ and be a part of the church? I want to be a part of the body. You see, that's this final little section here, this idea that God trusted. God trusted Mary and Joseph with the body of Christ. God trusts his body to us today. He trusts you with his body. How are we doing with it, by the way? How are we caring for the body of Christ today? Are are, are we reflecting his true image? Are we purposing and prioritizing our lives like him because he yearned to get back to heaven? He yearned to be by the Father's side. He yearned and just worked and served to have his reward. How are we doing with that? Isn't it really easy to start thinking about how we view success in our life and start thinking about, am I really doing more things for success in my own personal life? Or am I prioritizing my life to be a success for Jesus?
And just how much and how many more things do I need to have stripped away from me and filled up by him so I can be more like the body of my Savior Jesus? I, I, I love coming to gather together on Sundays. I mean, this is great. The family reunion is always awesome. But you see, then there's the reality check of what we do with what we do here. Because we can't just do what we do here and keep it in here to have it be a success for Jesus. We have to do more. And when we do, it's actually a beautiful thing because the more we prioritize and open ourselves up for him, the more we can be filled and the more that we can have joy and the more we can have peace and the more we can have purpose and the not wondering what to do next through the trials of life. I want to finish with a scripture very quickly. If you open your Bibles up, please, to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And we'll end with this. The challenge today, church, is to focus on the success plan that God has to be emptied, to be filled, to be buried to be raised, and to be the type of person that Jesus can trust his body to. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not the things on earth. For you've what? I can't hear you, church, for you have what? Yes, have we? Have we actually died to the things of the past by the commitment of being empty? And I, Lord, I want to be filled by you. It's not about me anymore. Dying to self is key to the success plan of Jesus today. I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a little side note tangent here. I have heard far too many horror stories of churches of Christ closing their doors. Far too many congregations just saying, well, that's it. You know, the people today and the world today and society today, they just don't want, so therefore it gives an excuse for the doors to close. That's so sad. Because when people are all in for Jesus and act like, live like, love like, serve like Jesus Christ, the church never shrinks. How do I know? I have historical documentation that the church grew daily. Those that were being saved. Why? Because when the power of Jesus Christ works through the power of His truth and the power of His Spirit, through the power of His body, people then step up and go, whoa, that's a different way. They're not just doing church. They're just not being better people. There's something completely different about them. And oh, by the way, the truth of, and I'm glad that you're doing an apologetics class. Because knowing the reality and the truth of the resurrected Savior and just instead of the storybook resurrected Savior is key. The world has heard too many religious stories. They need to know the historical facts. 
about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. And then what they can see then, hopefully, is the body of Christ today acting like the resurrected Savior. Because it isn't about you anymore, Dave. It's about him. And so he continues to say this. Verse 3 again. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Verse 5, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked, when you were living in them. But now, I love the but nows, you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all in all. Verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also. Just imagine a world of us applying these things in the world that we live in now. The impact it will make. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him and the Father. You see, church, this final word here, this idea of doing all things by the authority of Jesus Christ, is really just this this beautiful phrase that can get us locked into what his success story is all about. If we do all things according to his authority, then his authority says, I want you to bring lost souls to me. And he gives a template here of certain attitudes and actions necessary. I don't know, where are you guys at? We're just meeting. Where are you at spiritually? Where is your heart with Jesus? Where is the priority you have in life for him? How dedicated are we to his cause rather than just the church cause? Where is it that we are in this this idea of of being the body of Christ? You know, when I was, uh, my father, he was a, uh, he, <laughs> my, my dad, he, he, he was a, a, it, a, a, I don't know. 
There's a school when I was young, and I was a, a, min, min, a very small kid. I was five years old. And in kindergarten, there was a uh, kid that throughout the year, in this passion, he was very passionate about all he did. And so whatever we did, I always finished second to him. He was always the winner, always. And I had the type of ego. I hated to lose things. Still do, by the way. So now it's the end of the year, and we're going to do this... Uh, this, this day out, people are doing all these wonderful things, games, running, and things. And so now it comes to the 100-yard dash. And I'm going to I tell you why I'm going to beat this kid. So we get on the 100-yard dash. We're going along. And, man, I'm leading. I am just cooking along, man. Yeah. I'm leading. I'm getting close to the, the finish line. And all of a sudden, phew, he passes by me. And I'm so upset. I lost again to this kid. Fifth, I'm five years old. There's one more thing, one more event. And it was kite flying height. It was a kite flying height event. So we get out there, and I'm like, I am not losing to this kid again. You had to make your own kite, homemade kite, and see whose homemade kite goes the highest in the sky. So I'm there, and I got my reel, and I'm watching him, and man, my kite's just taking off. And his is having trouble. And man, I'm like, ha, 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 I got it. And so his finally goes and falls down. Mine continues, and it continues. So much so, I go through the whole thing of string. But then I get a little cocky. I'm like, I will show you. I can tie a second roll of string on there so I can set a record of the height of the kite. So I'm there. I'm five years old. I don't know how to really tie a tie. So I'm here, and I'm trying to make the other thing, and then, and then all of a sudden, the starts to slip out of my hands. And the kite, I can see flying and fluttering in the distance. And it's getting smaller, and I'm jumping, trying to grab the end of the string, and I can't. And that kite just flew off into the distance, never to be found again. But I won. <laughs> Here's my question to you. Are you right now like my kite? Where at first your life was really under control and it was just locked into the hands of Jesus. But then as time has gone on, you have just seem to have lost that grip of that relationship with him. And he seems to be getting farther away and the view gets smaller and he's starting to get a little bit shaky in your life because for whatever reason, you haven't been locked in and held on to him. And you see, that's what the invitation is really all about. For brothers and sisters in Christ, to be honest with yourself within, to, to really seek what, where you're at with Him and go, wait a second, Lord, I truly, I can't, I can't pretend anymore. I look good in my suit. I look good. I know what to say. I can make everybody else think that everything's going well. But the reality is, Lord, I know that things have been distant between us and I need to do something about it. Today's the day. This is the one, one of the wonderful opportunities we have. Do you know how many resources we have here? Elders and deacons and mature men and women of faith who we can turn to and ask to and pray if we're struggling with something financially, struggling with something physically, struggling with something um, spiritual. We can come here and find the answer here today. Why leave here weaker than you were when you came in? So this is an opportunity, church, for us to gain that strength and get a hold of our relationship again with Jesus so we can be a part of his success plan. And if you are not in the body yet, but you've been studying, 
And you know you're at that point where, oh, Tad, I want to give myself to Jesus. I'm dead and empty inside without him, and I need him. Then today's the day. Don't let Satan say, well, just sit down in your seat for another week and just hang. Let today be the day you say, that's it, Satan. I'm giving myself to Jesus, and I'm leaving you behind by being baptized into Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of sins to be raised up in newness of life as we stand and sing the song of invitation.